Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Hey, Sam. Hey, Britt. How are you? I am good. How are you today? I am doing well. Thanks for asking. What a week. It's been a really good week. Um, it is a big month in our office, so this is probably our favorite month of the year because it's few things we love. Cinco de Mayo, as we're recording this. <laughs> yes. It is International Women's Month. We have Mother's Day this week, and both of our birthdays are in this month, so I would say we're feeling pretty good because it's our favorite month of the year. Yes, it must be May. What did Justin Timberlake say? It's gonna be May. Yeah. (laughs) Very excited that we're here. Two national holidays, our birthdays, really ready to celebrate. But we have Mother's Day first, which is an exciting time, I think. And we were lucky enough um, to be featured in Franchise Consultant Magazine talking about the influence our moms had on us, which is really profound. I think when you become an adult, you can truly appreciate all of the things your parents did for you and how selfless they were. Thank goodness, because it wasn't always easy for them, I'm sure. Totally. You know, I think a lot of times, especially for our generation, like our parents' generation, they weren't necessarily saying you should be an entrepreneur. It wasn't the typical path that people were taking. And I think we both were really blessed to have moms that were really supporting us and in our corner. You know, me having a mom who also is in franchising and entrepreneur and your mom just rallying behind you to say, go chase your dreams. (laughs) My mom rallying behind me with unlimited support, (laughs) probably, which has um, increased my ego, (laughs) I would say. I mean, we always tell that story that I was looking at pictures for to pick out for my senior board when you're putting all the things up for your graduation. And I was looking at pictures of me in like fourth and fifth grade. And I was like, wait, was I chubby? And I was like, no, you were perfect. But I never knew (laughs) because... (laughs) My mom was like, great. Everything's great. You're awesome. You can do anything. She's your biggest cheerleader. The other thing we touched on in the article that I loved was just now you being a mom, how that's had an impact on your son, Max, and just how stinking proud he is of you. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think there's so much guilt tied up with being a parent you know, specifically a mom. I think traditionally moms do take on a certain role, um, not to diminish a a father's role at all, but I think just traditionally we're used to a father working a lot. And so I do have a lot of guilt over being gone or doing things. But Max definitely, first of all, he reps our gear all the time. He is like trying to wear a Fran Path shirt, a Fran Path baseball hat. I mean, he's very proud. He tells people my mom is a boss. (laughs) And so (laughs) I do love that. Um, and I do you mind if I tell a story, Brittany, at all? Go for it. Go so for it. I will tell a quick story. You and I were um, interviewing an accounting firm and some bookkeepers and different stuff. And it happened to be being done, like which a lot of moms can identify with, I'm sure, on a car ride home from school. And so it was over the car and we were quoted at $300 a month. <laughs> and we hung up and Max said, mom don't take that deal. And I said, what? And he said, don't take that deal. 
$300 a month. They should be paying you $300 an hour. <laughs> For training them well. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you need to get into salary negotiations. We wouldn't have a wage gap at all. So... <laughs> Or he needs to be an attorney. So every time I write a check to an attorney at three, four hundred dollars an hour, I think I'm in the wrong business. So <laughs> yeah, amen to that. So I, you know, I, I think it's just it's really a time of gratitude that you know you have these businesses and gratitude to my mom, to your mom, and then you know to our kids for supporting us and and all the things that we do. Yeah. Well, I hope knowing that Mother's Day is coming up, I hope you're doing something more than just sitting at the ball field all weekend. So do you have any fun plans to kind of celebrate for yourself? Yeah, I, I'm not going to be around my family. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm going to be a little <laughs> bit around my family, but I am going to wake up. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to do a few fun things, not cook. So I mean, that's really my idea of a relaxing time. And I think that's a really good way to introduce our guest today because so much of being a successful business person or successful at anything, a parent, is really taking care of yourself. And we do see a lot of people going back into the boutique fitness realm now. So really excited today to have the president of development for Exponential Fitness, Lance Freeman, join us. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being here. We're really happy to have you. You've been in franchising for a long time. And so I'd love to start with that piece. Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of professionally and how you landed into franchising and then the boutique fitness space. Sure. You probably hear this story uh, pretty frequently, but uh, I fell into it like most um, in 94 so I've been saying I've been in, in the industry for more than 25 years. I'm probably getting closer to 30 now. So it makes me feel really old. But uh, I got into it early and it really kind of got into my blood and and uh, it's treated me very well. I started out working for an emerging uh, franchisor at the time and then moved over to become a franchisee in that system. Uh, and then I started to scale. It was a uh, an executive model uh, in boutique fitness as well. And so um, wound up opening eventually six locations in that concept and then bought or was awarded what's called a master franchise. In those days, they would award those to your kind of your top performing franchisees and systems to really build out markets. And so I became a master and then ended up developing about 50 stores in that market uh, and had a great business for about uh, 12 years there and then um, was approached by a PE group that wanted to buy my business. And what really wasn't looking to sell uh, at all because I was doing pretty well and, and loving what I was doing. But uh, maybe that was a good thing because the multiple kept getting better. And uh, it got to a point where I felt like maybe I'll just, you know, I will sell this. It was really all I had known since college. And, uh, uh, you know, have some nice checks cut and then uh, build something else. And so um, I did that. And at the same time I sold my business, um, the parent company in that franchise store was buying another emerging brand. And because I had done a, a nice job of building out my market, they asked me to come in and develop that concept uh, for them. And so I really wasn't too interested in, in working for someone. I hadn't, I'd been pretty entrepreneurial and, and hadn't done that, but I thought it might be a fun experience and, and maybe a good learning experience for me while I figured out what the next thing was going to be. 
and uh, turned out to be a lot, you know, take a lot longer than I thought. But it was a great, it was a great experience for me. And we developed that emerging brand from three studios to about 500 uh, nationally. And that was in the retail massage space. And then um, kind of reached a point where I felt like, you know, I wanted I wanted to do something else. I wanted to build something else and, and I wanted to do something on my own. So I partnered up with some uh, guys in the industry to start a development company. And we started to uh, develop emerging brands um, and because I, I really enjoyed building things. And so within that process, uh, I met up with this gentleman uh, by the name of Anthony Geisler, uh, who was buying this little no-name brand called Club Pilates. Uh, that had a few dozen licenses and this is about eight years ago and uh so my company developed that brand to about 500 licenses and, and it went so well and we felt like he was really the best operator and, and you know we had done a very nice job with the development side of it that it made sense for us to really partner up and so he uh essentially bought my company uh made me partner in this and then we really birthed the exponential uh, master plan, I call it. Uh, so we've since gone to uh, basically the largest boutique fitness platform in the world today. We've got 4,400 licenses awarded globally in 15 countries, 2,100 studios open in North America, 10 brands uh, operating successfully. Uh, we went public last year in July, which was a, a monumental event for the company. Um, not supposed to pitch our stock as a shareholder and an executive, but. <laughs> has increased 100% since we went IPO, so that's exciting. Uh, but it's been a great a great ride and continues to be, as you know, Sam mentioned, uh, our business model right now, we're seeing more success in it than we've ever seen. Um, and it's it's pretty rewarding knowing, you know, we came through 20, 2020 and COVID, which was not exactly the time where people were wanting to invest in uh, retail or, you know, a fitness for that matter. But we knew, um, and myself, having been in this industry for as long as I have, having gone through 08 and other ups and downs in the economy, that it's more one of the most resilient spaces, um, you know, in in franchising, I would say. And we knew that just like the, you know, the, the uh, at home or in home kitchen has never replaced the restaurant, that uh, digital, you know, uh, or the the at home workout would never replace the in person experience because people want and need that. So what we've seen since, you know, kind of the COVID comeback, if you will, um, we've seen five straight quarters of uh, re revenue improvements um, in our brands. All of our brands are uh, surpassing pre-COVID levels. We're seeing demand and utilization higher than we've ever seen. Uh, we don't celebrate this, but it's a, a business reality. 25% of our competition has shrunk uh, while we have grown and, and immensely. In fact, we awarded almost a thousand licenses last year in 2021 across our 10 brands. And we opened 350 stores uh, to give you a sense of our growth trajectory. So um, it's really exciting seeing what's happening in the market. We do a lot of segmentation as well. And we're seeing now a lot of new segments that are coming into our business model that were largely sedentary before COVID that are now realizing that this is one of the best routes to you know defending against viruses be, is getting healthy. You know, so um, we're really excited about what's happening. And, and so that's my kind of my a little short on my 30 year journey, but it's, it's, I, I was a kinesiology and business major. So I'm kind of living my dream of being a partner in exponential fitness you can gather. <laughs> wow. I mean, the trajectory just of your career, it seems like you just kept 
getting better and getting into situations that leveled up. And I, you know, I'm in the industry, Brittany and I are, I don't think I knew those numbers about Expo or maybe just hearing you say them, hearing a thousand licenses, 350 gyms. I mean, that is fantastic, especially in a year like 2021. So kudos to you guys. And, you know, Exponential really is the 800 pound gorilla in the fitness space of franchising. You know, I don't think there's anybody that spent five minutes in franchising that isn't familiar with the Expo brand. How did you guys achieve that status? What do you attribute to that? And then how are you maintaining it? Uh, That's a great question. It's not a a singular answer. You know, I guess I, I would say that we have really driven our business model around a number of things. But one of the biggest things is that our, our philosophy around support, I think, is a lot different than, you know, maybe most franchisers in, in terms of the approach we take. And, and so I always say what why systems grow in any space is you have happy franchisees making money. <laughs> um, it's and so it's not because we're, you know, I'd love to say we're great at sales and whatnot, but it's 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 really that's what why systems grow, because they can validate from other partners that they love what they're doing. They're scaling, they're opening more more. They've exited corporate America. It's a piece out to that. Uh, they're building equity in a business and, you know, they're seeing great financial returns. And that's really why these systems grow at the trajectory that we're seeing, you know, in our system. So a little on that philosophy is I think, you know, we understand that we're, you know, very candidly in the royalty business. So the more support we pour into our franchise partners, the better they do, the better our company does. And so I'll give you an example with, a, you know, hiring uh, as an example, I'd say, 90 plus percent of franchisors will take the approach that you'll you'll get some standard operating procedures from them and you know some some uh, some tips on how to properly recruit and hire employees in that business model but then it's your deal because you know god forbid they made a recommendation and it didn't work out and the employee you know moved on then they feel the liabilities on them we take the exact opposite approach in that we've hired over 50,000 employees in our business model today so we would much rather tell them exactly who we think they should hire to set them up for success, having done it so many times, than let them try to figure it out on their own and hope it works out. So that's the approach we take with every aspect of supporting franchise partners, whether it be from real estate site selection process to hiring to marketing to sales, the whole gamut. Um, we provide a tremendous amount of support, and I'd say it's you know it's above I would say the standard in franchising. And that's really one of the things that I think we do really, really well. We like to say we're really a a sales and marketing engine masked as a fitness company. So not to say we could go into any modality and and be successful. Obviously, we're very strategic about modalities that we go into that we know will stand the test of time. Like, you know, we're not going to go into goat yoga. I mean, I think it's interesting, but it's not really scalable. from our from our perspective so we're going to go into core modalities whether it be hot yoga or pilates or you know in, indoor cycling etc um but at the end of the day you know i always say starbucks doesn't win on, on coffee you know they went on the experience they went on the superior marketing strategy that they bring to market and that's why no other independent or other you know corporately owned coffee shop can stand up to them and that's we're very similar you know it's i hear this all the time from folks that say Oh, it's so crowded in boutique fitness. And I see this on every corner. And I, my response is I could not disagree more that it's very early. There are only literally three fitness companies that have more than a few hundred 
uh, studios open outside of exponential. Uh, so the, your 90 plus percent of your competition is independent and no disrespect to them, but they just cannot hold up, you know, to competing with a, with a franchise or with our sophistication and how we, how we do it. Um, so I would, I'd say some of those things. And, and then, you know, we're fortunate we're at this point, we have so much experience. We have so much in terms of resources that we can really continue to, to push, to stay ahead of the curve. And, you know, our, our philosophy again is that if, if we're not moving, we're not evolving, not improving, then people are catching us, you know? And so we always want to be the leader in what we're doing to stay ahead of everyone. I love that you already kind of tackled it head on that, you know, people think it's a saturated industry. I mean, when we have initial consultations with our clients, that is always something when we bring up boutique fitness as an option that we hear, you know, well, it's really saturated. And I really liked that you talked about the fact that it's really just mom and pops and the fitness industry is huge and it continues to grow. So I love that you guys see that there's an opportunity there for plenty of room for really strong franchisees. I mean, it, uh, there's so many indicators of that. Uh, that's why you can see private equity is extremely hot on boutique fitness because they know it's really early in terms of its its growth. Ursha so has done some third party studies to show in 2022 they're projecting 33% growth in boutique fitness, which is mammoth growth in the space, and a lot of that's going to come out of our our uh, exponential brands. Wow, that is an incredible statistic. I, I can't get over that. I mean, that's pretty remarkable, especially coming off the midst of a pandemic where there's a lot of question marks right now, question marks about economy, question marks about will there be another variant? Will there be another lockdown? I mean, that's pretty remarkable for sure. One of the things that I have always liked about this space is the membership model. When I evaluate businesses for myself, I always think about how can we build recurring revenue? What are multiple revenue streams? Things like that. So can you touch on that aspect of the business? Oh, yes. It's one of the most compelling components, I'd say, of, of business model. Um, in the olden days, which I can speak to as you gather how, how old I am, you know, we used to have uh, what I call the, the pay-as-you-go finance model. So an example is a member would say, I'm going to buy a 25-pack of classes. I'm going to come in two days a week, which is eight times a month. I'll chew through that in 90 days, and then I'll renew. And that sounds great, but the reality is it's four to six, It's excuse me, it's four to six months for them to go through that pack. And then you're constantly renewing 100% of your members. So the beauty of the, the membership model is it's user to lose it. We keep the options limited so they're small, medium, and large. So there's not our consumers don't get confused by too many options to to make decisions. And once they sign up, that EFT is is reoccurring. So there's so many advantages to this because you have predictable reoccurring revenue. You're not dealing with cash. You're not chasing down collections. You're, you don't have shrinkage. You don't have spoilage. You don't have a lot of moving parts. And that's really the beauty of this business model. It's very simple. And the other thing with it that I find that's really remarkable, having been in retail for almost 30 years, is the ramp trajectories of these businesses. I've always argued and will still maintain if a retail business gets to break even in six to 12 months, then that's a very solid investment. But the majority of our studios get to break even at grand opening, which is almost unheard of in retail. And the, the way we do that is we start a pre-sell strategy with that reoccurring membership model that you speak of, Brittany to really start driving those sales at 
at the inception of, of securing a space. So by the time they get to a grand opening and we turn on that draft, they have enough members that cover the entire operating over the overhead of the business and they're driving into profitability and, and margin and sustained you know, maturity in the business within six to 12 months, driving substantial unit volume. So it's it's really a remarkable remarkable model from, model from that standpoint. And then on the, on the other end of it, the retention that we see is remarkable based on how sticky our brands are. And most of our brands, uh, we, well, on average, we see about five to 6% attrition with the membership again, which is extremely low relative to fitness and what we see. And, and again, it's very different from the box gyms because the box gyms bank on the fact that it's almost inversely proportional, that 94% of your members are going to be paying on that membership, but not attend. Our, our model is the opposite. We want our members attending because that's they when they're engaged, they're getting results, they're loving the community, they're having fun. They stay a lot longer, and that why that's why we have really low retention. Um, we continue to grow that membership into what we call an effective capacity, where you know it's that's a good problem to have, where you just can't even take on more members. You guys really are a well-oiled machine. You know, as we have candidates work their way through the process, they think of anything they can think of. It's like, oh yeah, we've already dealt with that a thousand times. So let us just tell you how we have combated that. And I know from the consumer side of it, you know, I I am a member at an exponential brand. My in-laws are members at an exponential brand. We all enjoy the experience. Very different brands in the brand house that we all, all attend, but all of us enjoy the experience. And so that is really cohesive across all the brands in your portfolio. So right. for you guys, we, we know what you offer. I mean, it is a plethora of amazing things that really set up success for franchisees. So if people are listening to this, what type of franchisee is Exponential Fitness looking for to place in its brands? Oh, great question. You know, we, we have such diverse backgrounds with our franchise partners. I mean, ranging from, you know, excuse the term, but corporate refugees to, you know, lawyers to uh, accountants to, I mean, I can go on and on. But I think one of the bigger misconceptions that I had come across that people think that uh, they have to have a franchising experience or previous business ownership experience to get into franchising, or that's the majority of our buyers, which couldn't be farther from the reality. It's the opposite. You know, 95% of our um, investors or partners at this point is how we look at our franchisees have never been in business for themselves, uh, or, nor have they, you know, been a technician in our space, you know, and so meaning you do not need to be an instructor or that sort of thing or, or a fitness junkie to, you know, invest in a business like this, no more than you have to be a hairstylist if you're getting into hair care or et cetera. So I think one of the things we're really looking for are really professionals and, and people that want to really um, be a good partner, you know, and follow our plan. Uh, we don't, you know, we find our, our partners that are the most successful are not doing anything different. In fact, what they're doing is they're doing, uh, they're following the plan better than most is what, what we find. So we want people that really want to leverage our blueprint for success. Um, people that, that have some management skills because the key to our, our business partners is they want, we want them to manage the manager and really manage their business by the KPIs or key performance indicators in the business, manage the business by the numbers. That's really where we want them. We do not want them as owner operators becoming slaves to their business. Um, again, our typical owner in exponential owns 3.4 units. So they're all developing really multiple units over time and they, they get those open. So it's a highly scalable business. 
So our partners, um, and we're looking for folks that really, again, if they're even if they're in a day job and want to keep that day job and want to do this in parallel, uh, we call this a semi-absentee business model. It's an executive business model. So they might spend five to 10 hours uh, a week at most in managing the, ma the manager and managing the business by the numbers again. So we're looking for that individual that is looking for something that's scalable. Um, it's a lifestyle type business to where they can really create some flexibility in their life. Again, and not have to buy themselves a, a 60 hour work week job. Um, and, and, and really be, again, you know, uh, following the, the, the play, if you, if you, as we call it in our business model, that's what we're looking for. So no, there's no specific backgrounds, but those that really want to uh, build a business um, and, and again, not, uh, not, not be an owner operator, if you will. Not the one that's actually teaching the class or giving the stretch or anything like that, right? Correct. You know, I get I get people that will say to me, hey, you know, I just want to just dive into this and really spend as much time as I can to learn the business. And I try to coach people. That's what franchisee training is for. Uh, but it's you it's not so that you can become, you know, a, a slave to your business or be become the technician. Um, probably one of my biggest learnings as an early franchise partner, I was doing really well. And I will never forget this. The uh, CEO and original entrepreneur um, gave me a pat on the back. Said, you're doing great, Lance, but I think you're an idiot for still working in your business. And I just was shell shocked when he told me that. And I was really mad at him for a couple of days. Uh, but then you know, he gave me a, an ancient book, but it's still relevant and called The E-Myth Revisited. And I realized I was baking pies and I was the technician and I was not going to grow my business until I got out of that. And so I literally... A week later, hired well so that I could have a, you know staff to take over all of my my clients, and then that's how I grew from one to six, and then a master with fifty stores. So that's a big kind of turning point, I'd say, in getting hit hit over the head, if you will. So I still coach that today. You know, thirty years later, that don't become the technician, don't become the instructor. There's no place for you inside of this business answering the phones, or there's no office in these things. I don't want you in the day to day every day or and you know every week for that matter you know i want you to be a leader in your business i want you to manage well and and build a winning team culture in the business and that's really you know where our most successful owners sit that's really great advice and that is a fantastic book i mean one that sam and i turn to in our business and we continue to hire and continue to add outsource partners so we can keep our eye on the prize of what we're actually building you know, we vet a lot of brands. That's a huge chunk of what Sam and I spend our time doing. It's really important to us that we get to break bread with the leadership team behind brands that we show, that we see that they have the financial wherewithal to support franchisees. We just really care about the brands that we put in front of our clients. You talked quite a bit about the support elements. I loved that you really dug in on the hiring piece because that's a huge question mark for people. But is there anything else that you want to highlight with us in terms of what support kind of sets Expo apart? Oh, there's so much. Um, one of the things I would probably say, because people ask me all the time, having been in retail for almost 30 years, what are my biggest challenges going to be? And so I always say, point blank, it's going to be real estate. And employees you know you can kind of go two paths here you can buy yourself a job with an owner operator model which is fine um, but if you want semi-absentee or you want to get into an ex uh, executive model you're looking at retail and i always say if you're looking at retail you know what are you looking at and what spaces are you looking at so it's one of the reasons why i like our opportunity a lot is because with 2100 units open and in, in in the us 
we are a real estate company at this point. So while it, be, it is one of the bigger challenges, we have a full real estate team underneath our roof that supports our new partners with that whole process. And, and you guys know, I mean, 90% of our partners have never negotiated a commercial lease before. And there are a lot of pitfalls when it comes to that. Um, and if you don't have a relationship there with an institutionalized landlord and a broker that has that, again, you don't you don't have a leg up in terms of acquiring some of the best real estate in that market. So we've earned a tremendous amount of clout with these REITs, these major landlords across the country, because we did not close a single unit permanently in COVID. We didn't run and hide. We reached out to them and worked with them through that period. And they appreciated that. So now they're coming to us saying, hey, I've got you know, 8,000 square feet in this uh, new development that I'm building. I'd love to put four of your brands in here and chop it up. What do you got? Uh, so we are the bell of the ball at these real estate conventions because of our strength in real estate. Not saying it's easy. Again, it's always going to be a challenge, but we have a big leg up on our competition because of the relationships we have, because of the support we pr provide to our partners, because of the experience we have with that piece of it. You know, relative to uh, the hiring process, again, I always like to say I love our labor pool. You know, I absolutely love it. I know I'm a little biased, but you're not hiring a minimum wage earner in these things that it's a job for that they didn't really set up in their life to flip burgers. You know, so you're hearing, you know, some labor pool issues in some spaces that are out there. We are not seeing any of those impacts in our business model at all. And it's largely because our employee is a passion employee. I mean, they largely, this is their career. They, they you know, spent some of their hard-earned money to get certified to teach. They want to make a positive impact on people's lives. That's kind of their calling uh, and their passion. And, and a lot of our, most of our instructors will make 56, 50 to 60 you know, an hour. So they're not sitting back collecting an unemployment check at this point. So again, while I'm not sitting here saying, oh, you'll never lose an employee, you will. Absolutely. You know, if you're, if you're going to have employees, you're going to lose an employee here and there. But we have tremendous retention with our employees in our, our business model, again, because of the type of employee that we're hiring and because of, uh, we give them the best platform to really you know, teach in and to really perform in um, so we can attract some of the better talent to kind of work in our business model and then keep them happy for a long period of time. So, again, while I, you know, in the same sentence, say it's one of your biggest challenges, it's also one of our biggest opportunities. One of the things I love about our business model the most is that we're not dealing with that transactional employee that you're going to turn over left and right. Uh, you can really keep them for a long, long periods of time. I love the honesty on, you know, that really is real estate is a huge question mark for people, specifically now when you're hearing all these things about build outs, et cetera. And then, you know, the question of employees, again, there's a lot of hype around employees and nobody wants to work anymore. But I can attest, I mean, in, in my personal area in San Diego, you guys have some of the best class A retail space. I mean, and that's a hard market. So if you can find stuff there, I do have the utmost confidence. You know, you guys are out of Southern California. And I think if, if there's a hard real estate market, it's there. So I think cutting your teeth there and going across the U.S. We also live in Madison, Wisconsin part time. I imagine it's much easier to find things in Madison, Wisconsin than San Diego. There's but, a, lot of, a lot of growth in Madison, as you probably know. But yeah, we have you know some markets in the country, whether it be New Jersey, New York, San Francisco, Southern California, uh, very tough real estate markets, but we do very well in them. Um, because of, again, those relationships with those REITs, many times we go landlord direct. And, you know, if there is another, you know, imagine an independent competitor trying to, you know, get in the door when they're up against an exponential brand, you know, we have a, a, a substantial advantage there. And I think franchisees hearing that, that does 
put to bed a lot of the negative thoughts and some of those things that come up. So we've taken a lot from you today, I feel like, just writing down things, really getting a chance to learn about the exponential brand. And even though I feel like it is something we know a lot about, I definitely took a lot away. So I would love for you to share the best piece of advice you've ever been given with us and our listeners today. Oh my gosh, best piece of advice. Um, I've been given so much, but uh, I, I think when I was, uh, I still am, I guess, ambitious, but when I was very young and ambitious and trying to figure out how people became, you know, made, made uh, people were successful and made a lot of money, I always uh, would ask people, I just would ask them all the time, I'd have successful clients, how did you do it? How did you become successful? And one of the best pieces of advice I think I got was uh, a gentleman, I'll never forget him, he said, Lance, uh, one thing that I figured out in all my years of business, he says, I always invest in myself. And I said, why, you know, why is that? And he said, because I know I'm going to show up. And uh, I love that. And I really see that as franchising is, is such a great vehicle because you are essentially investing in yourself and you really control your outcome. As long as you follow the path of the franchisor and execute well, you're going to be successful with, with it um, because, you know, these franchisors have scaled, you know, over dozens and hundreds of units over, over time, as you said. I mean, if you look at our business model, we have 10 presidents, 10 CMOs, 10 you know, national sales directors, 10 of everything that huddle up on Mondays to share best practices and ideas. Think of the brain trust there that you have to make sure things are going to go well. So as long as you follow that plan, you know, you have a great opportunity to do well. So I always think it's interesting that people think they have more control in a job than in, in investing in a business when the average job lasts, you know, less than two years in, in corporate America today. Whereas you control every, all your outcomes in, in business as long as you follow the plan in a, in a franchise model. So that's why I always like that advice of, you know, investing in yourself. And I've always done that in anything that I have done. And it's created a lot of wealth for myself. I always tell people, you know, you can't sell your job at the end of it. It's not an asset. You can't sell your job. Um, that's why I love business ownership, one of the many reasons. But tell me your reason. If you had to kind of look at it overall, what is your personal compelling reason for being in the franchise space? Oh, gosh, uh, this might sound a little gooey, but I, I was a kinesiology and, and uh, business major I really felt my calling was to be a catalyst for positive change in people's lives. And so I started on, on a fitness path to do that. And then it kind of morphed into, you know, franchising where I could really touch a lot more people, both business owners and members uh, through doing that. And so it's helped me really realize my personal passion of, of making a lot of positive impact on, on lives through our business. Uh, not only, you know, having financially successful owners and creating, you know, amazing life lifestyles for them, but also for our members, you know, in terms of them feeling better and, and looking better and, and becoming healthier through our business. So I'm kind of a kid, kid in the candy store, but couldn't imagine doing anything else. I think that's a great way to close it. I'm a kid in a candy store. I can't imagine doing anything else. And I think that's really how we want all of our clients to feel with whatever business they choose. But I think today you've provided so many reasons why boutique fitness and specifically exponential fitness is a really, really great opportunity for anybody that wants to be a business owner and build an empire. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it.
So if you'd like to learn more about franchising and diversifying your portfolio through franchising, email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. Follow the FranPath Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars. You can also follow us on Instagram at FranPath, Facebook and LinkedIn at FranPath Consulting, or go to our website, franpathconsulting.com, to take your free business assessment. Mm-hmm.